Well, hello and welcome back to The Messy Table. Or if it happens to be your first time, we are super pumped you're here. And here is simply an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. Well, I am Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new episode into your earbuds every other Tuesday. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, because we're wild about the local church, and we wholeheartedly believe in God's timeless work through the local church. Yet we also love locking arms with women from all over the global Capital C Church because we're on the same team and we're honestly better together. So wherever you are on the planet at this exact moment, in your car, in your closet, in your garden, or in your bathroom, hiding from your children, we are just so glad you're here. So I've been thinking about how much our perspective affects how we act and how we think and inevitably how we live. It's just one of the many reasons I am personally so thankful for these conversations and the women who bravely share. Because I only have one perspective and one vantage point. But as I dig into scripture and as I hear about the work of God through others, that wisdom from the past and the stories from the present can drastically shift my perspective. You know, I think about those first disciples and how different their perspectives must have been before meeting Jesus and after meeting Jesus. I think about 2 Corinthians 4.18, how it says we should fix our eyes, not on what's seen, but on what's unseen, since what's seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. I think about Isaiah 55.8-9, which tells us God's thoughts are not our thoughts and His ways are not our ways. Yet he is still, always and forever, continuously working in the mess. So listen, I am more than excited to introduce you to my guest for episode 84. Tara White is a great friend and incredible woman who's a wife and mom and foster mom and a pastor on staff at our church. And though she has many stories she could share, actually within the last year, Tara's had an extreme shift in perspective. She went from having no foster kids to having three foster kids, from just cruising along in our everyday life to getting some life-altering news. And then, of course, the one we're all facing, figuring out how to navigate a global pandemic. Isn't it amazing what a perspective shift can do? Which is why I'm so grateful that with a little push of a button, people like Tara can impart some of those hard yet timeless lessons to us all, wherever we are. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Tara. Tara, welcome to the messy table. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> or like my husband calls me. you, Tara Masu. Old DJ Luigi. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Thank you for asking me. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Because we had it planned and then COVID happened. And then you were told that you had a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And so just a little thing like that yep. kind of pushed it all back. But now we're here. Now we're here finally. Yay. <laughs> so before we really dig in, just first tell us about you. Give us a little glimpse into your life and who you are. Like you said, I'm Tara. I get the opportunity to lead our campus internship at Life Church. Ooh, I have worked at Life Church for a little over 10 years. And I am a mom, a foster mom. I am getting ready to celebrate 15 years of marriage to my high school sweetheart. Yes, you are. Um, yeah, Congrats. that's a little bit about me. Thank that's you. Exciting. 15 years marriage mm -hmm. and 10 years on staff at Life Church. Yeah. That's so cool. 
say your role again. Um, I'm the director of the campus internships. Right. People who are coming and doing an internship mm-hmm. at Life Church, you are overseeing that mm-hmm. basically. Yes. It's so fun. For the campuses, it's people who want to go into full-time vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. And so they are maybe wanting to become a pastor at Life Church or mm-hmm. learn from us to go be a pastor somewhere else. So we're excited to get to develop them and send them out. And about 70% of them right now come on to staff at That's Life so Church. Cool. Yeah. And you're the perfect person for that job. sweet. So (laughs) I love it. I guess then that means we probably have known each other about 10 years. Because I'm pretty sure it was when you had just come on staff, Mm -hmm. right? We met, started at the South Tulsa campus where you and Derek were. And you always say, I remember I have this big flower in my Uh hair. And I do remember you having a flower in your hair. (laughs) I don't know what I was doing back then. No, I think everybody was doing that type of thing 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So then we got to have a baby together, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We launched the Life Church Broken Arrow campus together. My husband, Derek, was the campus pastor. You were Life Kids. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't too long after that that you transitioned to host Mm -hmm. team. Yep. I think about a year in. Yeah. Yeah. And then BB took over. Mm -hmm. Life Kids. Yes. Yes. That was the funnest season getting to launch that campus. It really was. And, you know, I was pregnant the first week that we opened. And then the second week, Jack had been you born, had a real so baby. It's a really big <laughs> week. And so I can always think how old that campus is because of Jack. So yeah. eight years old, over mm-hmm. eight, eight and a half. That's so crazy. Seems like yesterday. It does. Mm-hmm. Okay. So clearly we have a lot to dive into and this is the messy table. So tell us about from your own life, um, what is it that kind of falls into that messy category that you might want to share? Yeah. So does it count that I'm still in the middle of the mess? <laughs> Totally. Yes. This has been a messy season of my life for sure. Obviously, we're in the middle of a global pandemic right Mm -hmm. now. And the fall of last year of 2019, Jacob and I have always talked about wanting to foster and like maybe adopt. We wanted a bigger family, but we definitely didn't want to have any more biological kids. We have two. So we both have talked about it off and on for 15 years. And last year, we finally both were on the same page of like, do you want to do this? Yeah, do you? Okay, we're both saying yes, right now, it's the right timing. Hmm. And so we followed through with that. We got our first placement in September. And so we started with three kiddos one being a baby, which was a whole new world because our youngest biological was five. So it was back into the baby stage. So how old are your biologicals, Presley and Jack? 11 and six now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Presley and Jack were 10 and five. And then we got three kiddos added to our family who were nine, seven, and 13 months. All at one time. All at one time. We got our foster care application approved on Monday. And on Thursday, At 8 a.m., they called and said, we have three kids, which we had said we only wanted two. (laughs) And they're like, we have three kids. They're all siblings. Can you take them all? And we were like, "Uh, they wasted no time. I just looked at Jake and I was like, can we take them all? And he said, yep. And so Uh, I hung up from saying yes. They said they would have them at our house by noon. And so I called my boss and was like, I'm not going to be able to work today. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Then... I started calling friends and was like, we have a baby coming. I don't have anywhere for her to sleep. I don't have diapers. Like, who can help? Mm. And immediately, some of our friends, like, brought a car seat over, brought a box of diapers, all the things. And then they were there at noon. So that was uh, obviously pretty life-altering. We had no idea how long they would be with us, Mm -hmm. what their story was yet. We just said yes, and here they are. Um, Two of them are still with us now. 
the baby got to be reunited with her biological dad, who's mm-hmm. different from the other ones. Yes. And we actually had a visit from them last week oh. and she's still doing great. And great. we're glad we got to see her. Yeah. And so that part was fun. We still have the other two. So how long have you had them? They've been with us almost a year. And it has been messy all by itself with just that mm-hmm. and learning their personalities, building trust with them, learning their quirks and mm-hmm. their strengths. And so that has been so fulfilling and so hard all at the same time. Very mixed. Yeah. Um, our pastor, Craig, talks about a lot of times you have your highest highs and your lowest lows. And I have never felt that more than I have mm. being a foster parent. It is just like the greatest, most fulfilling, like I feel the closest to Jesus I ever have, but it is so hard all Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, So you said you both kind of had that passion leading up to it, little seeds that were planted, like we want to do this one mm -hmm. day. What was it inside of you that made you want to do that? I don't know. We just feel like we've been blessed with so much and we still have more to give. And that's just the way that we feel like God's called us to give that extra. Mm. Um, He's blessed us with so much and he has just answered so many prayers in our lives. And we just feel like we have just a little bit more margin. And that's the way that he called us to use that. Mm -hmm. I know it's not everyone's calling and everyone has that margin to give in different ways for their callings. But for us, that's what we have felt. And so we're glad that we were able to Mm -hmm. be in the right place, have enough space to bring them into our home. Um, And it is stepping into that sacrifice that Jesus talks about. So mm -hmm. it's not all going to be roses. Yeah. As we've talked about a lot. It's not. (laughs) Yes, it is messy. Um, So we got them in September. I had been not feeling great, but not knowing why for about three years before that. And just thinking like, I turned 30, my life is going downhill, I guess. Like, I just don't feel good. Feeling like I just couldn't get enough rest. Like I would sleep for 12 to 15 hours and wake up completely exhausted Mm -hmm. still. I thought I must be dehydrated. I need to drink more water. I got my hormones checked. Like Mm -hmm. I did all these things, a lot of headaches and the headaches were different than anything I had ever experienced because as a teenager, I had migraines some and with that, like light and sound make it worse. If you lay down in a dark room, it typically like gives you a little bit of relief. And no, not at all. Mm. Nothing helped. I tried Excedrin migraine, Tylenol, Ibuprofen, like all the things that are normal things to try. And nothing would even touch the headaches. And so I started eating better, drinking more water, trying to work out, doing all the things that it's like, if you don't feel good, these are the things. Sure. And Which is smart to start with that. Right. Yes. And so we got them in September. In November, my headaches got so bad that I couldn't even like function. I was so exhausted all the time. And like I would get up and just like straight to the coffee, drink as much as I could and just try to like force my way through the day. It was getting to the place that there were days that I would call my boss and I was like, I just can't, like, I cannot get on this video call. My head hurts so bad. I can't even look at my computer. And this is not normal. Yeah. And also during that time, I just started feeling so like down because Mm -hmm. I couldn't feel better. And I had went to the doctor when it first started happening. That's when they checked my hormones and everything was fine. So I didn't think I needed to go back to the doctor. So November, December-ish, I finally was like, okay, I have to go. Like, this is not normal. Something's wrong. I've got to go to the doctor. 
And I was, didn't have a doctor here in Tulsa because we had previously lived in Edmond and just moved back home to Tulsa. And I thought maybe it was like anxiety, depression, something like that. And I remembered listening to your podcast and Whitney, who mm-hmm. was one of the first podcast yeah, guests. Number three. Yeah. <laughs> she had talked about her story of depression and being a PA. And so I was like, she's here in Tulsa. I am going to call her and see if I can get an appointment. Mm. So I called. She did blood work, all of the things. And she didn't feel like comfortable with like, yes, this is definitely depression. Or yes, it's this. It's this type of headache. Because it was just so different mm. than the regular symptoms. Very complex. And so she ended up asking me to get an MRI which when she told me to get one, it was like, just to be safe. We just want to make sure we don't miss anything. It took me a while to follow through and actually do it. And then it was Christmas and New Year's. And so I waited a little (laughs) while and then I finally did it. And like we had tried some other things, like maybe it was tension headaches. So I tried physical therapy for like my neck and the tension. And when those things still weren't helping, I followed through with the MRI and It was Saturday of Easter weekend and Whitney started calling me and I was like, "Um, this is weird. And she said, don't freak out. I got the results of your MRI back. They think that you have a brain tumor. And I was like, I'm sorry, back up. What? No. Uh, How do I not freak out? Right. (laughs) And she said, I've been losing sleep about not wanting to tell you. And I was like, that's not going to make me freak out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But she's so sweet. And she was like, we're going to get through this together. We're going to figure it out. She prayed for me on the phone. And I just think about how thankful I am that God put those pieces in place that she was on your podcast, vulnerable to share her story. Mm. So because of that, I went to her and got to walk through this with somebody who I knew cared about me. Not that all doctors don't care about their patients, but in a personal way. Mm -hmm. I was telling her, I was so glad that you had her. Yeah. And so just to be able to walk through it with a doctor who's willing to pray for you on the phone and who I knew like every time that she would check in on me throughout this whole process, she was praying for me and having her small group pray for me and just God all already putting those small pieces into place before I ever knew that they were going to think I had a brain tumor. He already was paving the way and going ahead of me for this journey. So we got another MRI, went to a neurosurgeon here in Tulsa. They confirmed that it was a brain tumor. And my next step was to get a spinal tap to see mm. if there was cancer in my spinal fluid. Right. Which right. And that would mean that the tumor is cancerous. So if there's not any, then it could still be a tumor, but it's benign. Mm-hmm. Or if there is, then obviously the yeah. tumor is cancer. I think Sarah was the one who first initially told me right after you had found out. And gosh, my heart just sank. Like, what? Yeah. Anytime you hear the words brain tumor. Right. Cancer. So after I got off the phone with Whitney, I just nonchalantly told Jacob because I had been telling him the whole time I've been having headaches. It's probably a brain tumor just as a joke. And so I laid back down in bed where he still was. And I was like, hey, you know, all those times that I told you, I think I have a brain tumor. I think it's actually true. Whitney just called me and got my MRI results back. And he was like, that's the way you're going to tell me this news? I don't (laughs) know if I would have believed you. I just don't even know what else to say. I'm like so in shock. I'm just like, yeah, that's what I'm going to (laughs) say. So yeah, he did not think that was funny. 
And then I was just in shock mm. and not, I just didn't believe it. Then I was like, it's a fluke. That MRI was wrong. I'm going to get another one. It won't be there. It's whatever. And then when I got the second one and the neurosurgeon confirmed, I then I started to freak out and was like, okay, like this wow. is real. This could be cancer. I remember Mother's Day. I didn't feel good at all. My head was hurting so bad. I was so tired. The kids were having an argument about something. Who knows? And I just like went into the garage and was just bawling. And then I was like, what if this is my last Mother's Day? Mm. And all hit me at once of like, Mm -hmm. this is real. Like, this is really scary. And honestly, in those moments, it was like all the faith that I had was just to believe that God was still there. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't even faith that I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I, in those moments, was like, I don't understand. I'm doing all the things you've called me to do. I'm working at the church. I'm fostering. Like, can you not just make me feel better? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. And what's hard is I wish that the story was. And then I felt so comforted, and it was all great, and everything was fine. But there honestly were times in there that it didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. It was like, I would pray before I would cry myself to sleep, praying, please just let me wake up feeling better in the morning. Like, I don't want my head to hurt and I want to have energy to do what you've called me to do, to mm-hmm. be a wife and a mom and a foster mom and a pastor. Yeah. Then I would wake up with my head throbbing, still feeling like I didn't get any rest and exhausted. And I just remember waking up in the morning being like, seriously? Mm. Now, I still knew he was there, Mm -hmm. but it took a lot of faith to even believe that in those moments. Well, it wasn't just your present circumstances and the pain that you were dealing with, but it was also all those unknowns, like Mm -hmm. a billion question marks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just like, what's going to happen? going to be here next year? And we all know that we're going to die one day, and I guess it could even be tomorrow, but it also seems so far removed. Mm -hmm. And so I know this news shook me as a friend. Yeah. And so I know it was shaking you guys. Yeah. There were so many thoughts of like, I want to see my grandkids. I want to see my daughter graduate high school. My son's barely starting school. Mm -hmm. And then like all of those feelings and thoughts would like swirl together where it would be, but it's going to be okay. But then the scariness would still come back. And so it was, it was really Mm -hmm. messy. Yes. Um, I love what you said, though, that you knew that God was with you at the end of the day. And that didn't mean that you were going to be necessarily fine, but you knew that he wouldn't leave you. Right. It was in that time that I was doing my quiet time and I read a verse that I just it was on one of my version plans. And it was the only verse that day on the plan. And I just felt like he was giving it specifically to me. And it was John eleven four, and it says, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. And I just remember thinking that I believed that it wasn't going to end in death, but I didn't know what that was going to look like. What it looked like, it's not death right now, but it is brain surgery or chemo mm-hmm. and then not death or like just what is it going to look like? But regardless, God is going to get the glory out of it. And so there was a shift for me after that day and that verse, and I just clung to it and just believed like no matter what happens, if I am not here, he's still going to get the glory. He's going to be with my kids. Like, it's going to be okay. But 
something about that verse just like that's just what I clung to for the next several weeks, months as we continue down this brain tumor path, which sounds so crazy to even say. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you have still new foster kids in your home. And then we cancel school and go into quarantine. So I'm like, whenever I did have to not attend a meeting for work and lay down because my head hurt so bad, I at least could lay down and at least rest a little bit. But now I have four kids at home with me too. And yeah, it was pretty crazy there for a while. Mm. Um, We ended up going to the Mayo Clinic because from my spinal tap, there was no cancer in my spinal fluid. Mm. So that was Which was a huge relief. Yes, answer to prayer for sure. So they thought it was benign. Mm -hmm. And what sent us to Mayo is from that spinal tap, my headache went away for the first time in over a year. Because it relieved the pressure. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because they take spinal fluid out when they do a spinal tap. So that way they can measure or test it. And taking that out relieved the pressure in my head. And I felt great. And yeah, so I felt great. For what? Like a couple days? For only, yeah, only a couple days. I think it was on a Wednesday. And by Sunday, I was back to like my head hurting so bad. I could barely carry on a conversation. And so I told my doctor Whitney that. And we were like, okay, we have got to get this figured out. My neurosurgeon didn't really know why. He couldn't explain it. Um, So we ended up deciding to go to the Mayo Clinic, who had been closed because of quarantine. And when I called, they were just opening the next week. So they had appointments available, which... There's a lot of people who call the Mayo Clinic and can't get in for six like months. months. Yes. Yeah. And so the fact that we were able to get right in was Yeah, when you said we're going miracle. like next Tuesday. It was like, what? Yes. So at the Mayo Clinic, they diagnosed me with something called idiopathic intracranial hypertension. And it has another name, which is pseudotumor cerebri. How do you remember all that? <laughs> I've said it so many times since then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm like, can you write that and down? That is a buildup of cerebral spinal fluid in your brain, but they don't know why it's building up. So mm-hmm. that's why it's called idiopathic because they don't have a reason. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the but surely there's some reason. Yes, surely. So then it's also called pseudotumor cerebri because it causes your body to mimic signs of a brain tumor, even though they can't find one. Mm. And so. They don't believe that where the radiologist in Tulsa thought there was a brain tumor, there is one. They think it was just pressure. The pressure was causing that gland to enlarge and swell. And that is why it looked different on the MRI. And so we're at the Mayo Clinic expecting to like have brain surgery probably. And they're like, no, it's that gland is enlarged. And so we're like, you're like gland. There's not a tumor. Yeah. And so they still can't confirm 100% sure that there isn't a tumor because that specific gland called the pineal gland is deep in the middle of your brain. And so they would have to get in there to really 100% confirm that there's nothing. But But regardless, even if it were to be a brain tumor, it doesn't appear to be cancer. Correct. Right. Yeah. Because there's no cancerous cells Cells in any of it. Mm -hmm. And so you thought you had a brain tumor and then suddenly they're like, it's an enlarged gland. Like that's the best news that you could ever get. Who gets news like that? It is the craziest thing. Yeah. I still can't believe it. Five months ago, I thought I had a brain tumor and was probably going to have to go through chemo and maybe not live. And 
it is just the buildup of spinal fluid, which really sucks yeah. and has caused me a lot of problems, Still but not as bad as a brain tumor. Figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we got home from Mayo, again, Whitney told me about this chiropractor who specializes in brainstem. She's a brainstem specialist. So at the Mayo Clinic, they said there's nothing that they can really do about intracranial hypertension if they don't know what's causing it. Oh, gosh. Because I can't get a spinal tap every three days (laughs) to relieve the pressure. They gave me medication that they said might work. Is there a fly? (laughs) (laughs) Just you bow. Sorry, excuse me. We need to pause the podcast because there's this fly in my podcast. I can't talk. There's a there's fly, a fly in, my in my podcast. My, there's a fly in my Starbucks cup. Keep going, please. I don't know if I'll cut that out or not. I hope you don't. Um, at Mayo, they said there's not a real cure or anything that they can do about intracranial hypertension when they don't know what's causing it. There's one vein in my head that is a little bit narrower. So they went in to make sure that's not what was causing the buildup, but it wasn't. And so they gave me this medication that they said might help, but it also had some really negative side effects. I talked to Whitney about it. She was like, just try this. It might work. It might not. Let's just see what she says. She goes to this brainstem specialist who's a chiropractor. And when Whitney was there, she told her about my case and she was like, I want to see her. I can help her. She knew what the IAH was. And so I went thinking, this is probably not, nothing's going to, I just got back from the Mayo Clinic. Like they would know if there's Mm -hmm. something that you can do to fix this. And so I went and she did a lot of x-rays. We went through all my health history in my cervical spine. There is a ligament that's torn. And part of my cervical spine is turned and constricting my brainstem. Oh, wow. And that brainstem constriction is what she believes is causing the spinal pressure fluid to build up. It's why I can't smell. Listen, guys, (laughs) we haven't talked about this yet, but Tara cannot smell. You've never been able to smell. Not that I remember. You say that your mom says. My mom says I could when I was a kid. But really... How but she I know? think I just watched her facial expressions and whatever she said something smelled like, I just agreed with right. it. I don't remember ever smelling well, anything. And if it's food, you're tasting it at the same time. So mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I've never been able to smell anything. People are like, but can you smell this? Like, can you smell smoke? But can you smell fart? Let's start. No, I cannot <laughs> smell anything. Let's test it out. <laughs> you guys, can you imagine, like, some of this would be great. Like, you don't smell throw up. You don't smell your kid's poopy diapers. Or if your husband lets one, mm-hmm. like, you just have no clue. But then you also, what if you have bad breath or BO or yummy smells like yeah. pumpkin bread or a vanilla, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you can't smell that. No, I miss out on all the good stuff. Makes me but sad. I also miss out on the bad stuff. <laughs> you don't even know the coffee smell, which I feel like is half the wonder of drinking coffee. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> but you don't know. <laughs> but I don't know. I still do love to drink it, though. Listen, if this is cured and you eventually can smell again, I need a video of you just sniffing My things. My first time to smell. I'm going to take you to like the Bath and Body Works with all the yes. candles. <laughs> I feel like I'll be so overwhelmed if I do get my sense of smell back because I will all day be like, what is that? What is that? What is that? Because you've never, ever been able to smell. No, which was not my advantage whenever we had little babies because Jacob would always say like, well, you can't smell that diaper. So 
can you please go and change it? But I would, <laughs> I would work that. Like, oh, he did, honey. I didn't even know that there was a poopy diaper. <laughs> you need to change it. <laughs> I was like, I can still see it. <laughs> right. But what if there was a fire? This, I guess the smoke detector. You would just have need to go smoke off. alarms. Yes. Yeah. There was one time in high school that my mom, she used to make sweet tea like with the tea bags on the stove. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to be the one taking it off of the stove and finishing making it. And I forgot. Mm. So I was watching TV, I'm sure. <laughs> and the bag started burning to the bottom of the pan. And my mom came home and I guess our whole house reeked. And I had no idea. She opened the door and said, what is that smell? And I was like, what smell? What are you talking about? I couldn't smell it, but apparently it it was really strong. So I feel like our kids are close to similar ages Mm -hmm. and their socks and shoes constantly. I guess right now they're wearing a lot of sandals and Mm -hmm. flip-flops, but especially during the winter and sports, they just smell and you get to miss out on that. So Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Yep. So my brainstem being constricted (laughs) is why she thinks I can't smell. And what caused the buildup of pressure? Um, what caused the tear in your cervical spinal cord? Is that? Uh, that's, I said that wrong. A ligament. It's a ligament that holds your spine and your skull together. Okay. And it's torn on the right side. And she said, like, in most of the cases that she sees, it is a, like a childhood injury that you didn't even really know was that bad. But then as you continue to grow and it grows back incorrectly and mm-hmm. turns, that it starts to cause problems Did later in life. Childhood the only trauma. thing I can remember is playing dodgeball one time when I was in elementary. And me and this kid were going for the same ball. And his top of his big hard head hit me right in the nose and it broke my nose and my eyes were black so maybe that pushed my head backwards and like made you not be able to smell because you can (laughs) see on my x-ray where there's one of the vertebrae in my neck that has been fractured like you can see it and then you can see where it held back together Hmm. so something happened but she said it can be like falling off your bike it can falling off of a trampoline and you you just just don't know it's that severe so she adjusted me And I sat up from that adjustment the very first time and all the pressure was gone from my head. And I was like in shock. No, this can't be real. Like you just voodoo tricked me. Like I did not (laughs) believe it. I was like, is it all in my head? Like did she hypnotize me? Because I've just been through so much getting to this point. And just to get adjusted. Yes. What? And I've been to chiropractors lots of times because my neck hurts a lot. So I've been to lots of chiropractors who, you know, crack and crank and all of that crazy stuff and never helped. So she doesn't do that type of adjustments and alignment. It honestly feels like she's barely touching your skin and it's just right behind your ear. And what? I know. It's crazy. Um, Well, all knowledge comes from God. So yes. And she's a believer. And she looked me in the eyes and said, you are going to have a full recovery. And I just started bawling. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I know we just met. I promise I'm not always this crazy. I love you. (laughs) Thank you. And she was like, God still has so much more in store for you. And I was like, you've got to stop. I'm going to, I cannot do it. But yeah, it is incredible. The relief that I've had since then. It's still ups and downs because it will go out of alignment. The pressure will start to come back. I go weekly, but sometimes even in that week, something will trigger it and it just the pressure starts to build up again. 
um, as that ligament heals and it stays and like keeps its alignment. So she thinks that that ligament needs to be healed for the pressure to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that constricting of the brainstem is like telling my body to stop or to produce more cerebral spinal fluid. And so it's producing too much and not draining enough. Okay, so from where you were before, one to 10, say you were 10, mm-hmm. I, I would say and that's pain. probably where you were. Yeah. yeah. Where would you say you are on a daily basis now? And I know it's up and down. It's not yeah. completely constant. On but. average, probably like a two and a half. That's amazing. Yeah. It's still like that first week, Jacob was like, you are back to the you that I honestly forgot because it's I have felt bad for so long. Mm. And that brainstem controls hormones that affect the gland that is swollen, mm-hmm. which they thought had a brain tumor. And that gland is what produces melatonin and all of your sleep hormones. And so the fact that that brainstem being constricted affects that gland is why I wasn't ever able to get rest. So it didn't matter how long I slept. My body was never going into deep sleep or letting Mm -hmm. me rest. And you feel like now you're going into more of a deep sleep? Yes. Like I feel like a teenager. I have so much energy again. I just, I didn't know. (laughs) I just didn't know that that was even possible. Like I thought that it was long gone. And so, so it's not just your 30s. Yes, apparently not. <laughs> apparently 30s don't suck that bad. Good. <laughs> well, it's interesting mm-hmm. how experience often teaches us more than books ever will. And you've uncovered a lot of lessons this past year and really beyond that. So what has God taught you in those trenches? I know you've kind of started to cover a little bit of it, but there's mm-hmm. so much more. I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, and it sounds so cliche, like we know this, but I know on such a personal deep level now, he really is in control. Like Mm. even in those moments that it is so dark and messy and it feels like he's not there. Like I know for me, I was questioning like, why though? Like, why will you not just fix this? Which hindsight's always 2020, but he really does go before us long before we even know we need him to, because he led you to start a podcast, which you stepped out in faith to do. And then Whitney to be vulnerable and be on the podcast and share a hard story Mm -hmm. and, because of that, I went to her as my doctor and she was able to tell me about this brainstem specialist who gave me so much relief that our other friend's daughter has been and is completely healed and back to playing college volleyball, which she had been trying to figure out what was wrong with her for the last three years. So had he answered my prayer of just let me wake up feeling better she wouldn't have gotten that relief and known about this doctor. Mm-hmm. So, and who knows who else? Right. And you wouldn't have known that closeness of leaning on him. Mm-hmm. And so from all of that, it is just so evident to me now that he is not only there with us, but he truly is preparing the way and going before us, even whenever it feels like he's not. And those so messy, dark, questioning moments, he is still there. And whenever he's not answering the prayer that I specifically wanted answered, he still did in his way. He gave me a verse that said, he will be glorified and this will not end in death. And I will die someday. We all do. But right now I still get to have energy, be a foster mom and see my kids flourish and live their lives. So he is still there in every Mm -hmm. one of those moments that it feels like is he, is he going to answer this? And I think a lot of people, those that are listening are there. 
in a dark place, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. it's because of some underlying health condition that they can't figure out. And man, you know that like it's frustrating. Yes. And you to- try all of the things and no matter what that is, like people can be going through so many things, mm-hmm. even in fostering of right. like, this is so hard, but he still is there in it. Mm-hmm. And I know for us, and most people who probably have been through the foster care system, it's not an easy cut and dry process that goes exactly like you expect it to, right. or even like the caseworkers expect it to. And in those moments of frustration and messiness, he's still there in it, working in ways that we don't even know. Right. And some of the hard might even just be through this COVID season, you know, unemployment's up and domestics are up and abuse is up. Depression is up. Even just really strong marriages are struggling just because everybody's going crazy, mm-hmm. you know? And so I know that this will speak to different people in different places, whether they're fostering, whether they're dealing with a health issue, whether there's just some, you know, global pandemic. Yeah. Something that's mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. I would have never asked to go through all of this, Mm -hmm. but I'm so thankful for the intimacy and closeness that I've got to experience with Christ through it. And I know that for me, I wouldn't have the same level of closeness if I hadn't been through it. And I know for everybody, it's not such a great story. It's not, I thought I had a brain tumor and now all I need are cervical spine adjustments. Like Mm -hmm. for some people that's real. Like they are walking through the steps of having a brain tumor and having to have surgery or go through chemotherapy. But even if that was the path I had to walk, he still is there in each one of those moments and getting to experience that in the unknown and the dark, it just, I was able to experience an intimacy that I hadn't mm-hmm. up, up to this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Even though I've known him and sure. love him, it's just different. He takes us deeper. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, do you remember a couple of years ago when Sam Roberts did some message? And I just remember he had the puzzle box mm-hmm. and he had the puzzle pieces. And he talked about how we have a few pieces with us and we look at him and say, how does this make sense? But he's the one that holds the box the cover, you know, and it Mm -hmm. might sound again, a little cliche, all things can, but it's like, for real, he knows. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for me, it comes down to just asking myself, but do I really believe this? And do I really trust him? Mm -hmm. I say I do, but when push comes to shove, right? do I, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes for me, at least when I'm up against those moments, a lot of time it just takes surrender. Like God, Mm -hmm. I don't have it all figured out, but you do. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad you said that because it like that was one of the other things, like the two main things that he showed me out of this season is that I can just stop and enjoy where I'm at and mm. not have to keep striving so hard all the time to fix it all and control it all myself. Mm. And I read a quote that said, don't let expectations steal the gift of what's in front of you just the expectations of life, the expectations of what it should be like to foster, what it should be like to just be a mom in general, right? what you expect your day to be like. Mm -hmm. And you definitely don't expect to get diagnosed with a brain tumor. But because of trying to control all of those things for so long, I wasn't able to enjoy Mm -hmm. the moments that I did have whenever I still was getting to watch my kids swim and have a great summer, even though I felt like crap, not letting those like that control take away the joy of the moment. Right. The joy, and it sounds like the peace, mm-hmm. which I feel like we live in a society where everybody wants peace, 
but it's hard to get. So hard because mm-hmm. you just want to control it all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there is peace in trying to be in control. Right. Instead of just trusting and knowing that he actually has it in better control than I would have. Mm-hmm. And So when have you found that you had the most joy and most peace even during this? I would say in those last few weeks leading up to going to the Mayo Clinic, So you still thought you had a brain tumor. I still thought I had a brain tumor. I didn't know what that was going to mean. And I just remember, I'm going to cry. Jack, my little man, we always read together before bed. And just like the sweetness of that moment of him, like laying on my shoulder and being like, mommy, will you please read with me? And just being able to say yes and being able to snuggle with him. And there's so many times that I rush through that just so that way I can get downstairs and get the dishes done and get the laundry started and all the things. (laughs) And through the season, especially those like from getting diagnosed to before we went to the Mayo that I just was like, I could care less. Like, yes, it's still important to get those things done, but there's plenty of time to do the dishes and getting to enjoy those moments instead of trying to achieve and get better. And I remember one afternoon, he really wanted to go on a bike ride. And I had written down in my planner that I was going to read so many chapters of a leadership book I was supposed to be reading. And I was like, no, like, what if this is my only time with him? And so I'm trying to still bring those same being present in the moment, even though now I probably don't have a brain tumor. We still have to do another MRI to make sure the swelling is going down and everything. But that perspective shift is kind of a gift. Yes. A gift that I would have never, I just didn't know I would get out of this season. Mm-hmm. And being able to enjoy those moments with them instead of productivity, getting yeah. better all the time, controlling everything. And just like, yeah, let's go on a bike ride. It's like, I will ride behind all of them now on a family bike ride. And I just feel so much gratitude mm-hmm. and thankfulness for what I do have. And that's one of the sweetest things that have come out of this messy season is just enjoying the time that I do have. We don't know how long we'll have our foster babies. Mm-hmm. And I am so thankful for the love that we get to show them now and the time that we've had with them, regardless of what's going to happen in the future. I don't Mm -hmm. have to control the future to enjoy the moments that I have with them right now. So good. So there's obviously still unknowns in life and there's still unknowns in foster care. Um, Mm -hmm. What's a takeaway that you have so far on this foster care journey? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've had so far is just being able to be present in the moment with them. And that even if it doesn't turn out the way that I would want it to, or the way I think it should, God still, he's the one that is in control. Mm -hmm. And just like my health story, he is gone before us. He still will for these kids. Since we've gotten to have them, they have joined us at church, which In all foster care situations, that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. But for us, they have gotten to join us at church. And our Life Kids ministry has an amazing room for elementary kids called Connect. And in Connect, they talk about timeless lessons where they can understand. And they also talk about the ABCs of salvation, which for them, it is admit, believe, and choose. And 
our foster daughter, she's seven. She came home one day. We had been at church on Sunday. It was probably Tuesday. And we were talking through lying because it's just at that age. And uh, just her personality type, it's easier to just tell a lie than go ahead and tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. And so we are talking about how that's not okay and why it's not okay and how it hurts our relationship and just that whole conversation. And through that conversation, she asked me about the ABCs. And I, for a second, was like, alphabet? (laughs) And then I got okay, we're talking about church connect. Yes. And I was able to share with her God's love for her. And she asked me if lying was hurting her relationship with God. Mm. And I was like, it does that that's a sin. And through that, I got to tell her how much God loves her and that Jesus actually died on the cross for her sins. And I asked her, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And she was like, no, but I think I want one. Mm. And so I was able to, on my couch in my living room, say a prayer with her to ask Jesus in her heart. And that's something that no matter what the outcome of her case is, she will get to take that with her Mm. forever. So even if it doesn't turn out how I think it should, Mm -hmm. I know that God had her here with us Mm -hmm. for a specific reason and timing for her to find a relationship with him and take that with her wherever she goes. Yeah, just planting seeds, mm-hmm. seeds and seeds over and over. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I know. Sweet girl. So there's so much more we could talk about, but everyone would love to know what resources you love and would want to pass on. Obviously, we both think the Word of God is hands down the number one resource that we could ever recommend. Absolutely. But beyond that, resources can be helpful. So what have you yeah. found to be really impactful for you? One of the things that I have really clung to and used in this season is from Jenny Lesko, who's been on your podcast. Um, She just released earlier this year a book called Fight to Flourish. And before she released it, she had a resource that was called 10 Truths. And it is just 10 truths about you and God's word. And I would read over them every morning to remind myself of his truth in my Mm. life. And my friends all knew that I was reading them. And so they would send me just randomly throughout the day a prayer with one of those truths in it. And it was just something that I needed in that season and still do need every day as a reminder of just the truths of who he says I am, who he created me to be, who he is. And so that was a really helpful Mm -hmm. resource that I had. Yeah, because those things don't change. Right. No matter what the circumstances, God doesn't change. Um, For me, worship is like one of the things, well, just music in general. Mm -hmm. Like I just, it speaks to me in a just different way. I love music. I always have. Um, In high school, it was like all the angsty, like (laughs) emo music because I was like an angry teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, But now... And your parents still, are the sweetest. I can just see I know, them my like, poor parents. not knowing what to do <laughs> with you. <laughs> my parents would wake up on Sunday mornings and blast old Southern gospel music as loud <laughs> as they could through our house while we were getting ready for church. And yes, they are amazing. Um, music's always trying been, to get through to you. Yes, they were trying. <laughs> I know they're proud of me now, but there were some moments back then too that they were just having to trust in God. Yep. Um, in this season, Hillsong has a song called Another in the Fire. Mm. And there is a live version on YouTube that I wore out. Mm. I listen to it at least every day. 
And there were some times that I would listen to it while I was praying. I would just listen to it and cry. I would listen to it and believe like there's hope in this. Just knowing like there is another in the fire and I wasn't alone. In their live version, they add an extra chorus. I love music, but I don't know a lot about it. A bridge maybe? I don't know. Don't ask me. (laughs) But in that, they say like, even if he doesn't, I will praise him. And they just sing that line over and over. And I just, in this season, I have just clung to that saying like, no matter what, Mm. I will still praise him. It is still, he's still in this fire with me and he's still holding back the seas. Like every word in that song, it just like in this season has been so evident in my life. And so that is one of my most favorite resources, uh, another in the fire. I love it. So good. Well, you've already shared so much and given us so much to chew on, but could you leave us with one final word of advice or encouragement, just something you really want us to know and remember and carry along with us? Yes. I just want to encourage you, no matter what you are going through, whether it seems small or it's a brain tumor, anywhere in there, whatever you're going through, he's with you in your moments of darkness and they aren't dark to him. Your surprises don't surprise him. Your mysteries aren't mysteries to him. He is in complete control of all that is mysterious to us. Mm. And he's with us every step of the way. Oh, that's so good. Tara, I just love you and I'm so grateful for your friendship over the years. And thank you for sharing this with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It has been so great. And I'm thankful that you gave me the opportunity. I love you, Jen. Well, as always, any resources mentioned can be found in the conversation notes. And if you missed any episodes this summer, man, they were all so unique yet individually powerful. So I would just encourage you to go back and catch them all. And then you will be ready for more amazing women who will be sharing some equally amazing stories and truths in the coming weeks and months. If you don't already know, you can actually subscribe for free wherever you like to stream. And then those upcoming episodes just magically sync to your phone. And y'all, I probably don't say it enough, but it seriously means more than you know when you take an extra second to write a review on Apple Podcasts or share on social media. If you're on Instagram, be sure and tag us at The Messy Table Podcast. Guys, thank you again for meeting us here. And as you head into your week, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.